Hey, welcome into the Grace Point Daily Podcast. My name is Jeremiah Johnson. We exist to bring you daily encouragement for your daily walk with Christ. We are here with a verse-by-verse edition of the Grace Point Daily Podcast. Dr. R.B. Maynard, a.k.a. Rick the Sage Maynard. Uh, yeah, yeah, now you've come up with that. So. <laughs> I don't know, the sages sometimes had some pretty weird thinking, too. So Yeah, uh, it could be your pro wrestling name, potentially. Yeah. Yeah, there you Rick go. The Sage Maynard. Oh, uh-huh. Most we people wouldn't know one. what that was anyway. So <laughs> I think I was named after a spice. Right. So anyway, verse by verse, we get into the word. We're back in Second Kings. So let's go ahead and get after it. Okay. Second Kings 3, 4. And again, as usual, we're always starting in the middle of a story, but uh, we'll just pick up there and move on. We can't backtrack and repeat the story again. So uh, it says, Now Misha, king of Moab, raised sheep, Moab raised sheep and he had to supply the king of Israel with 100,000 lambs and with the wool of 100,000 rams. And I, this is probably more like a tax. It says he had to supply. Uh, one, of, one of the thinking is that it's a return, that he had stolen so much, and this is more of a return. But, you know, I think about these numbers sometimes. I mean, if you talk about, you know, I mean, Ron Blaveld is in the cattle business, and I talked to him one day, and he said they, I think they had 100, around 100 head of cattle which seems like a pretty good bunch to me. Mm-hmm. But these numbers in the Bible are talking about hundreds of thousands yeah. of, of animals. <laughs> I, I can't imagine what their farms or whatever looked like then. But, um, but verse 5 says, But after Ahab died, the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel. 3, 6, and 7. So at that time, King Joram set out from Samaria and mobilized all Israel. He also sent... This message to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah. The king of Moab has rebelled against me. Will you go with me to fight against Moab? I will go with you, he replied. I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. So these are two separate kingdoms, but they've come together to fight against one common uh, enemy. And, you know, I thought it wouldn't be nice today if we could have that in our society where uh, the Democrats and Republicans could come together to fight against something. But it's like with, with our politics today, it's whatever one wants, the other one does the opposite. Mm-hmm. You know, And I'm not, whether you're Democratic or Republican, it works both ways. So I'm not uh, defending one or the other. But, uh, but we are mine. What's mine is yours uh, in this battle. Whatever horses, whatever chariots, whatever you need, I'm with you. And I'm sure there's, <clears throat> excuse me, in all these conversations, probably more to the conversation than what we get. I mean, it's probably not just, hey, will you help me? Sure, I'll help you. Whatever you need, you can have anything you want. But So verse 8 says, By what route shall we attack, he asked. Through the desert of Edom, he answered. Uh, he's asking Jehoshaphat. He's an older, more experienced. Uh, which way should we go? Uh, if we attack from any other way, they can see us coming. So, so he's willing to listen to the more experienced uh, king, in this situation and ask for some advice instead of just jumping in the middle of things. So we're reading quite a bit here without too much commentary, but it says, So the king of Israel set out with the king of Judah and the king of Edom. After a roundabout march of seven days, the army had no more water for, for themselves or for the animals with them. What, exclaimed the king of Israel, has the Lord called us three kings together only to hand us over to Moab? So, you know, they had to know when they left if they were going in this roundabout. And I don't know if, you know, if this is kind of like a Moses situation where they were 
uh, walking in circles, you know, but they, how did they not count the cost to have enough water with them to supply everyone? Uh, they've, they've gone seven days into the journey, seven more days to get back. If they're out of water, they're not going to make it seven days to get back to their water source. Mm-hmm. And so uh, this was all Jehoram's plan to, to do all this. They made the arrangements. It doesn't say they spoke with God and God said, go do this and attack these people and I'll provide. And he didn't have any of those promises. But then he says, uh, has the Lord called us three things together only to hand us over to Moab? So when things go bad, then he starts blaming God. And it's like, you know, for us today, we don't want to ask God about how to go about a plan. But then when something goes wrong in our life, it's like, well, why did the Lord do this to me? Why did the Lord let this happen to me? Well, maybe you should have asked for some advice before you (laughs) jumped in the middle. The Bible's pretty plain about uh, counting the cost. I mean, and I know, you know, there's that balance between having faith and counting the cost, because if you're counting the cost, sometimes you can talk yourself out of doing what the Lord has called. But if you know he's called, you don't need to have all the answers and all the plans and all the money and all those kind of things. But but I think too many people just assume they have a plan and they assume that God will get in line with them. You know, I, I read Blackaby, Henry Blackaby has studied, one of his things was, Instead of saying, Lord, bless what I'm doing, help me to do what you're blessing. So mm-hmm. let me find out where the blessing is and become a part of that, not can I start something new and then expect God to, to bless me in, in all of this. But verse 11 says, But Jehoshaphat asked, Is there no prophet of the Lord here that we may, may inquire of the Lord through him? An officer of the king of Israel answered, Elisha, son of Shaphat, is here. He used to pour water on the hands of Elijah. Uh, they didn't ask for a prophet before, but again, now that they're in trouble, um, you know, at, at least at some point they realize that, hey, we need God's help. And in, in a lot of instances, especially when we're doing things on our own, God just kind of lets us go. And until we get to a point of desperation, um, we won't listen. We won't come to him until it's the last resort. We talk about jailhouse conversions. You know, we talked about Kelly Stevens, how many guys that got saved in his patrol car. You know, and I know the joke was always, well, you have a captive audience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but but so many people, until they uh, get to their last resort, their last uh, problem, their last solution, then they finally say, Oh, Lord, help me in this situation. And so that's what, I mean, that's what they've done. They should have asked before, uh, but at least they're saying maybe it's not too late to come back and and ask. I mean, in this sense, it's the prophet. But, and it's, this is a little bit of lack of respect. I mean, this is Elisha the prophet. You know, they weren't even really giving him all of the honor that he should have had as the prophet. I mean, isn't this uh, Elisha? He used to pour water on Elijah's hands. I mean, really? That's, I mean, that's like, um, uh, you know, having an associate pastor. Oh well, isn't that uh, 
uh, Greg Craywick, didn't he used to clean the church? Yeah, he did, but I hope that his, his uh, I hate to say claim to fame, but you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Well, isn't that Greg Craywick? Man, he used to lead awesome worship or... Or, you know, he gave a word that was really good or something. It's like, oh, well, didn't he used to clean the church? I mean, and so that's what, I mean, there's a little bit of disrespect. And, uh, you know, and, and maybe it's just a reference because they're, they need water. And it's a reference to water he's pouring. Didn't he used to pour water on, maybe there's some miracle that he has with water. I don't, I don't know. But, um he was more than just a, a student of Elijah. He was a servant of Elijah. And so uh, this matter of disrespect, but even in that, um, and, and we wonder why, why they refer to him as just someone that poured water. Well, this is, uh, let me, uh, we'll uh, take a little detour here, but one of the uh, rabbis, and I like to read some of this stuff, and I always make sure I tell people uh, this is not Scripture, this is not, you're not going to, don't come and say, well, where did you find that in the Bible? I didn't see that in the Bible. <laughs> it's not in the Bible. This is just one of the rabbis that talks about the issue of, of Mount Carmel, that Elisha poured the water on Elijah. He stretched out his hands, and as Elisha poured the water on, small streams of water from the pitchers touched his fingers, and it became a gushing torrent, that that's where the water came from. I don't know where these guys get it sometimes because really the scripture says that they had barrels of water that they went to the sea and got these barrels. So you know some of these things, but but the only reference, the only reason you make reference sometimes is because these guys, if they heard some of these old traditions, we were just kind of talking about old traditions. Some of these guys, if they had heard that, they might just automatically think, well, that you know he was. He was, uh, it was miraculous when they poured water on his hands. Maybe there will be something miraculous with the water that will happen here because they've heard stories about things. Um, we were just talking about how things get ingrained into us, how legalism, how somebody could, uh, if they haven't been around the church and they've heard that whatever, something is wrong, then when they see it, they just automatically think that it's wrong because somebody... When they were a kid, somebody ingrained that into them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's where we get a lot of racism issues is because somebody, some parents told their children that black people or Asian people or whatever it may be, they had parents that told them that those people were evil and they were no good, they were less of a person, and then they become an adult, and it's hard to break out of those things sometimes. You know, they think, oh, well, you just ought to, uh, if you're white, you just ought to love black people. But sometimes they don't realize how hard that might be for some people who had that ingrained in their mm-hmm. life, their whole life. And so uh, sometimes it's not, a, it's like, Lord, help me to, to break out of my prejudices and my traditions and my legalism that I've had. Help me to break out of those things. But uh Verse 12 says, Jehoshaphat said, The word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. They could have ordered him to come. Uh, they're the kings. They could have just ordered him to go. But uh, basically they're saying he can be trusted. The word of the Lord is with him. 
that's I think that's the idea of coming to the pastor uh, for for prayer. You know, I think uh, for some reason, I guess because I was looking over these notes and things this morning, I thought about how awesome it is to have a pastor who believes in prayer. Because I know that um, if I have issues and problems or illnesses or whatever, I don't think, well, <laughs> I, I'll, I'm going to call so-and-so because I don't know that my pastor really prays. I don't know that my pastor really uh, believes that mm-hmm. much in prayer. You know, I never really see him pray for anyone or, uh, you know, you can think those. But I was, as I read through this, I was so thankful this morning that it's like, I know that if I have an issue in my life that you can be trusted. In other words, I could say the word of the Lord is with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, that doesn't mean just that you know something so you can teach a good lesson. It means I believe the spirit of the Lord, the Holy Spirit is on you and in you. Uh, I know I could call you. I know I could call Pastor Rachel. Um, if she's busy with whatever she's doing, she'll. I know she'll stop and pray. Mm-hmm. And she believes that prayer makes a difference. And so... So to have those things said about people, I mean, I would say that this morning about my pastor, my pastor's wife, the mm-hmm. word of the Lord is with them. I'm going to call on you because I believe not that you're in yourself are super powerful, but I believe that you believe. <laughs> and so, uh, so I want those uh, prayers, but 13 says being, li- being really silly for a second. Yeah. Uh, you know, I love the Nacho Libre movie uh-huh. where he is always the guy gives him a hard time. He's like, you always complain about you never get to do any priestly duties. Mm-hmm. So he goes to the guy's house to pray for him. He's like, father, we just commit this man's life into your hands. <laughs> and for some reason he puts coins over his eyeballs oh. and then a sheet over his head. And then uh-huh. the guy like wakes up and oh. turns his head over. And he, Nacho freaks out. He's like, Oh, oh. <laughs> Nacho, he wasn't dead. You were just... (laughs) Yeah, a little too spiritual there. Lord, Rick was a good man. He lived a good life. Oh, wait, he's still alive? Oh, I'm sorry. Whoops. Sorry about that. Uh, Anyway, 13. Elisha said to the king of Israel, what do you have... What do you have... I mean, back up. What do we have to do with each other? Go to the prophets of your father and the prophets of your mother. No, the king of Israel answered... Because it was the Lord who called us three kings together to hand us over to Moab. Uh, you know, Elisha's basically, and I love how these these prophets were so bold. Mm-hmm. He's basically, I mean, he could have said, oh, okay, I feel bad for you guys, and, and I'll, I'll pray for you, and I'll pray that the Lord will do something. I mean, it was like, why are you coming to me now? You guys did this on your own, and now and then you blamed God for it. Yeah. Now you come to the prophet of God, wanting me to basically pray that your situation yep. will be changed. And I know <laughs> God hears the prayers of sinners, and I, I mean, mm-hmm. I I get obviously he does, or people wouldn't get saved if he didn't hear that prayer. Yeah. But on the other hand, it's like people don't ever want to come to church yep. until there's a problem. And I, I've used the example on a, many times in my life. Uh, there's a chapel in every hospital. And don't you know that there's been a lot of people who have not been in a, a chapel maybe their whole life? Mm-hmm. 
But when they're in the hospital and their loved one's dying, all of a sudden we need to run to the, the chapel and, and there's some special power there. I need to pray today and maybe have never prayed. So, you know, he's like, why are you coming to me? And basically he's saying to them, don't you have your own God? I mean, yeah. <laughs> you, guys, you guys have gods and don't believe in my God or you believe I think in a lot of cases, it wasn't that they didn't believe in Elisha's God, but they believed in his God and their gods. Mm-hmm. It was not like there's one true God. And yeah. that's that's the problem with so many religions is they don't believe God is the God, mm-hmm. that that there's other gods. That's, that's where I have some profit in me. My the, the Jeremiah Johnson version would be like, well, it sounds like a you problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And that's, <laughs> that's how I phrase it. <laughs> that, is, that is true. And, sometimes, and people need to be told that sometimes. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think people go probably for uh, therapy sometimes, not to a pastor but to an actual therapist. And I think sometimes those therapists will say, listen, <laughs> you know, Things are not going to change until you stop doing what it is you're you're doing. I mean, yeah. the reality is, we want somebody to to tell us it's all right to think like we do. Yeah. You know that that it's that's okay that uh, that you have that problem and there's an excuse for that. And but uh, you know you don't come to to church unless you actually need something. Uh, and and yes. I, I hope people do come to the church when they need something. Mm-hmm. I yes. hope that this can yep. be a start. But there's so many that they know when they come, if they get help, they're probably not coming back. As soon as the problem's over with, um, they're going to be gone, you know, until the next problem comes along. I want to read this. This is out of uh, one of the uh, Jewish interpretations. But it, this is just, uh, it's almost paraphrasing in the Jewish sense, but it says, Please don't refuse me in my time of need, begged Jehoram. Even if I do not live up to your high standards, I am nonetheless a true believer in God. Did I not immediately admit that our present predicament was not an accident but divinely ordained? If I thought it were a natural occurrence, I would have gone to the prophets of Baal and Asherah. So he's, I mean, he's saying right there, uh, I have other gods I could have gone to, for they represent the forces of nature. The very fact that I have come to you shows that I believe... It comes from God. Never did my father or I deny that God is the ultimate ruler of the universe. We only differ with you in that we believe that he has given the ordinary day-to-day events of the world into the hands of his messengers, the forces of nature. This is why we worship them. It is only in extraordinary situations that he interferes himself. I recognize that this is one, that this one is one, and that is why I've come to you. Yes, you would be better off not appealing to your faith and righteousness, said Elisha. Those who sincerely believe in God know that nothing happens except by his word. There is no one else to whom it is fit to pray, and God has therefore forbidden it. If you were truly faithful to him, you would have eliminated the worship of Baal entirely. Besides, God does not answer prayers and perform miracles for those who turn to him only when they are in trouble and defy him the rest of the time. Jehoram begged him, please don't call to mind our guilt for that wickedness. Have mercy on us in our time of trouble. In other words, we don't want to hear the common sense about why we're in this problem. Please just help us. Well, you know, and that that phrase, how many times, if you've ever tried to witness to somebody, will they say, I be- well, I believe in God. 
future. I mean, like that's, <laughs> that is, I, I think that's why so many people claim Christianity because they do believe in God. Yeah. They just don't practice anything or they have the other gods or they think in that little story there, God only interferes or intervenes in drastic circumstances, but he doesn't care about the everyday events of my life. You know, so so I don't need to pray. I don't really need to do anything unless I got a big problem. Like God's not concerned about my small problems. Mm-hmm. You know, people say, you know, when they lose something, you know, you lost a pair of shoes. I mean, you, you can pray about that and Lord can help <laughs> you find your shoes, you know. But uh, a lot of people think, oh, God's, God's not concerned about my shoes. God's not concerned about those little mm-hmm. things that I lost or but how many times have people said, Lord, help me find this? And, you know, of course, then some of them say, never mind, Lord, I found it. Yeah. <laughs> you know. I, I, I don't think I really specifically asked the Lord for that. Yeah, you better um, pray yeah. that you'll find your, let's pray that you'll find your shoes <laughs> today. So, I did um, the other day. I misplaced my keys, and it was under Greg Walden's truck, mm-hmm. uh, driver's seat oh, ch- yeah. chair. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did pray about that one, and I found it. So, mm-hmm. praise God yeah. for that. <laughs> and a lot of people, like I say, would say, never mind, we got it. But, yeah. Um, but anyway, you know, why are you coming to me? Why do you only call on the name of the Lord when, uh, when you have trouble? 3.14 says, Elisha said, As surely as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, if I did not have respect for the presence of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, I would not look at you or even notice you. So uh, for some reason, I mean, there's that respect there for, the, for Jehoshaphat. Otherwise, otherwise, he's saying, you know, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't even... I wouldn't even have any respect for you. I, I, I try to think of how, does that, how would that work today? I think that would be like um, uh, if someone came to you who was a, uh, a, a relative of Pastor Ron Blavel, and they came to you and they were, whatever, crying the blues about their situation or whatever, you know, you, I don't know how to say this, but you might have a little more respect or yeah. you might say, you know, I wouldn't even be talking to you if it wasn't for your yes. grandfather. Yep. <laughs> we wouldn't be having this conversation. Sure. But out of honor for him, I'm going to, I'm going to do this for you. Um, you know, in the area of, of uh, finances, of helping someone mm-hmm. financially, I noticed uh, in our uh, at our board meeting, we look over the reports. I noticed that uh, we uh, contributed to someone who was in jail, not for their sake necessarily, because most people here would not even know that person. Mm-hmm. But we contributed because of the the mother in that situation, and so it was out of honor for someone else. That's all he's saying here. If it wasn't for yeah. Jehoshaphat and my relationship to him, I wouldn't even talk to you other guys. And that's that's a harsh word for Jehoram because he's saying, um, you're evil, you're an idolater. I wouldn't even be having this conversation, but for the sake of Jehoshaphat, mm-hmm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to intervene here. I'm going to ask God to intervene. Uh, 15 through 17, but now bring me a harpist. 
While the harpist was playing, the hand of the Lord came upon Elisha, and he said, This is what the Lord says. Make this valley full of ditches, for this is what the Lord says. You will see neither wind nor rain, yet this valley will be filled with water, and you, your cattle, and your other animals will drink. And I love this. You know, we don't really think about this. If, if we would have said um, what people in the Bible were inspired by uh, playing of the harp, we would think of David. Mm-hmm. But I never really remembered the story of Elisha saying, bring a harpist. But I, I look at these kind of things as creating an environment for the Lord to move. Mm-hmm. We sing worship music on Sunday morning to try to create an environment. Yeah. It's, it's not about uh, the, the talents, the abilities. I mean, yes, you don't want to... I mean, obviously, if, if every musician up there plays in a different key... It's going to sound horrible. Mm-hmm. It's going to be hard to worship. <laughs> I mean, it's the whole thing. We Yes, we want it to be done with excellence. I don't mean that. Mm-hmm. But it's it's to create an environment of worship for the reading of the word, the preaching of the word, uh, prayer time. It's all part of the, the package, if you would. And, and I firmly believe that... Um, that we can put ourselves in a position to receive. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one thing to walk around, oh, Lord, help me today and help me get through this day and help things to go good and give me safety and, you know, all these um, cliches mm-hmm. yep. that, that we pray. But sometimes, and, and I've, I've told people, you know, the Bible talks about going into your closet, whether it's a literal closet, if, we, if you've seen the movie, is it the prayer room? Is that what it's uh, called? War room. War, War room, yes. Uh, I mean, that woman, <laughs> Yeah. I mean, she had a place of prayer, and it was, I mean, sticky notes and... Yeah, uh, you know, it was I mean, a war it room. Was, it, it, was was a a pra- room. it was a prayer closet. It and, was a tent of meeting. Right. I mean, <laughs> and so, and I believe in that. And for me, if if I, I don't have the closet per se, but I have a uh, an office at home and a desk, and it's an old-time desk with the drawers and the files and but I've sat many hours at that desk and and that would be uh, prayer time for me study time mm-hmm. for me I don't turn on worship music when I study because my mind I have a one-track mind I can't multitask okay so <laughs> if I have worship music because I love worship music my mind starts listening to that wanting to either sing along or come into an agreement with that. Well, there's nothing wrong with that. But if I'm trying to study, I can't do that. And I never mm-hmm. could. I mean, even if uh, even if it wasn't worship music, some people, oh, I have to have music to be able to study for school. or no, I could never do it. It just never. Yeah. I like music too much. It doesn't become a background thing. It, become, it comes to the forefront. People that sleep to music, that's pretty amazing. I can't do yeah, that. Yeah, I can't do it either because <laughs> I lay there and listen to it. But But this is, you know, Turn on some worship music, basically. Bring the harpist. Let's set an environment of of worship in yeah. this sense. And so, and there is that that uh, you. I guess you'd only say it's supernatural, but I think for those of us that have been in church, it, there there is something about you know, <laughs> you're on. You know, you sing through one song, and then all of a sudden you get to 
song two or three, and it just seems like God's there. You know, right. He's been there the whole time, but it just feels like mm-hmm. he's there more than he was five minutes ago. Right. And it's have, just such an interesting dynamic. And, and I guess you could call this a judgmental spirit. It's not really judgmental because I'm more, I don't want people to lose out on any blessing. But there have been times, and it's not every week. I mean, there's times you dismiss in prayer and, hey, yep. we're, we're all out the door. I mean, that's, church is over. And, yep. But I've seen so many times in my life where the Lord was really moving around the, around the altars and, you know, the, maybe the worship music was playing, maybe you were playing and singing or whatever. But there was just a, a really sweet presence of the Lord mm-hmm. around the altar and stuff. And you can hear people in the back of the church talking about their fishing trips and, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I'm usually like, right. at least if you're, if you're not going to be involved in the worship part of it, right. Go in the parking lot and go outside and, and let that environment, I don't want to hear. And again, because I'm a one track mind, it's harder for me to sit there and try to, what I would say, soak in his presence. Mm-hmm. That's hard to do when in the back of my yeah. mind, I'm hearing about the fishing trip or the, uh, you know, and so it's it, it's more of a courtesy thing. I'm not being judgmental, like, oh, you should be at the altar, and yeah. But I, th- there have been times that the spirit has moved thirty minutes after church was dismissed, mm-hmm. and people were lingering around the altar, and I've sat there thinking, man, I'm so glad I hung around for a little yeah. while. Yeah. And it and then like you say, it intensified as time went on that that presence and stuff just seemed to get, I call it a heaviness, not a heaviness in a bad way, yeah. but uh, a heaviness of the spirit uh, on me, and that was after time. That's like you say, one song, two songs, whatever it it uh, kind of takes to lead into that. But And I don't do, uh, and there's such a balance there. I, I try to do, uh, I, I never try to do one thing. So sometimes I feel like in our services, we'll, uh, in, in our worship time, it goes, you know, then we do prayer and it really lingers and we'll get to the end. And I don't feel like I need to do this big altar right. call because I right. felt like we really met with God today. Right. Right. Just because we didn't do it at the end. Mm-hmm doesn't mean we didn't do, you know what I'm saying? Because there's right. that issue too. Some people are like, oh, you have to have an altar call right. every single time. Well, maybe sometimes that's not really where the spirit's moving right, right. there. And that's right. okay. I, I don't feel bad about that. Mm-hmm. Like, I really don't. Sometimes we'll have more altar time at the end or whatever. Right. And it's just, you know, I sometimes the Lord is really there. And I think you need to, mm-hmm. popular phrase now is lean into it, mm-hmm. uh, you know, grab hold of that. And then sometimes maybe it's, and it doesn't mean, and it, that doesn't mean the service wasn't good or mm-hmm. fruitful or productive. You know, it doesn't mean, right. Hey, today we, op- we opened up the word of God. What I do know is that we worshiped the Lord today. And I do know that the word of God was declared. And so there has to be something that was there regardless mm-hmm. of how uh, dry it felt or how amazing it felt. There was something to grab hold of too right. today. Right. And it's, the old phrase that I grew up with was waiting on the Lord, waiting on the Lord. And I think sometimes, especially, and I know that comes from Pentecost because they were in the upper room and they were waiting for the Holy Spirit to come. I mean, I, I get that, where that phrase kind of comes from. But I think a lot of times we use that in a church service, and it's like, I don't think we're waiting on the Lord. I think the Lord's waiting on us. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's not that... It's not that he's not there and willing to bless. It's just that we haven't put ourselves into a position of, of blessing. Here's a good message for you. What happened to Terry? That's going to be my next sermon. 
tearing, you know, in the Lord. Oh, tearing, you know. tearing. What happened to Terry? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where's Will? What happened to Terry? I have a bunch of good ones lined yeah. up. Yeah. Well, we'll have to, we'll move on with, with what happened in this miracle. But I, I, I will say about this miracle, when he says, make the valley full of ditches, this is what the Lord says, you'll neither see rain or wind, yet it'll be filled with water, and your cattle will drink, you'll drink, your animals will all drink. I mean, this is, you know, for Elisha, I love how he, um, I love how the Lord works, and he doesn't always do it, but sometimes he lets things get to a desperate point. These guys are desperate. I mean, they are going to literally die without the water. They cannot get back to their, their home to get water. They're going to die there. They got in such dire circumstances that only God, only a miracle was going to help them. And then God decides to do it. And, it's, and Elisha says, by the word of the Lord... This is what the Lord says. He's not proclaiming it himself, but it's going to be miraculous. It's kind of like the, the Red Sea. You know, it wasn't a, a boat happened to show up and, you know, take them all over the Red Sea. This was going to be no denying that God did this. And, and I've prayed that over, uh, especially when we used to go to Willowcrest and we would pray over someone. I have prayed that over people sometimes that it's like, Lord, give them an experience. Mm-hmm. Give them a miracle that they will know that only by your hand, like there was no other way that this was going to happen except by your hand so that they will know. <laughs> because some people that, and, and it's like, why doesn't God do that all the time? Because I don't need that all the time. I, st- I mm-hmm. believe in God, and I believe in all the past miracles. Sure, would I like to see the Red Sea parted? Yeah. Would I like to see ditches fill up with no rain? I, yeah, I'd, I'd love mm-hmm. to see those kinds of miracles. <laughs> but whether I do or yeah. not, I still believe because I believe these they did happen, whether I got to see it or not. But there are people out there who will never be able to, to believe or grasp anything if it doesn't come by some miraculous Mm-hmm. way in their life and so i pray over a lot of people lord do something for them that they will know that it was only by your hand there's no other way that could happen and the, and the way that happens sometimes is is being in a moment of desperation where only god mm-hmm. can take care of that so we'll stop there for today there you go well we're almost at that that point there i was so uh taken in by your teaching dr rb oh, yeah. i didn't oh, even yeah. notice the time so yeah. Hey, guys, we're so grateful that you've joined us on the Grace One Daily Podcast. Subscribe. We'll be getting more episodes out in the coming days. Summer madness coming to a close here in the next couple weeks. So we appreciate you guys tracking with us. God bless you. We'll talk to you guys next time.